for such a warm welcome. If, if you haven't had the opportunity to uh, meet my wife and I, we would love to meet you after this service again. My, my name is Steve and uh, my wife Leah. Um, it, it has been a journey to try to remember all that has happened in the last seven years. There's a lot to pack into that amount of time. And uh, uh, thank you, John and Brian, for, for your summary. Um, because a lot happened, both uh, in our ministries, but also uh, uh, to me, uh, growth and learning, uh, meeting my beautiful wife, starting our family, um, being given opportunities to go back to school. Um, and specifically during that time, going back to school, uh, spending some time at Conrad Grable, I uh, gained this real appreciation for stories. I think stories are this really powerful medium that God uses uh, to um, say something bigger than the sum of the words. You know, have you experienced that before? Uh, a poem or a story that is very short and yet is filled with just never-ending knowledge. Uh, stories are a powerful medium. And so uh, as I've reflected on my time here, on this season of life and looking forward, um, I'd, I'd like to share two stories. That, that's it, two simple stories. Uh, the first story coming from 2007 and the second story just a few years earlier. Uh, it comes out of the book of Luke uh, from the first century AD. Uh, story number one. Story number one goes like this. He emerged from the metro in Washington, D.C. and positioned himself against a wall beside a trash can. By most measures, he was nondescript. Washington baseball hat, a t-shirt, some jeans, and from a small case, he removed a violin. Placing the open case at his feet, he shrewdly threw a few dollars of pocket change as seed money, swiveled it to face the commuter traffic, and began to play. It was 7.51 in the morning, to be exact, when this busker decided to play his violin for the busy commuters. Uh, six well-known classical songs, to be exact, and to be even more specific, exactly 1,097 people walked past uh, because this wasn't an organic situation. This was an experiment. An experiment put on by the Washington Post, a very famous story, and the question that they posed was really, really simple. In a commonplace setting, at an inconvenient time, would beauty transcend? It's an awesome question. I love that question. And to take it up a notch, they didn't just find an ordinary busker who played an ordinary violin, uh, but the picture behind me is uh, world-renowned violinist Joshua Bell, who had a sold-out show the night before, and he was holding a $15 million violin <laughs> for busy commuters. Again, in a commonplace setting at an inconvenient time, uh, would beauty transcend. Story number two. The 
passage that I'm reading from in Scripture uh, comes from a, a, a new translation that I really appreciate. It's the First Nations translation. And the reason that I, I love it for this story is uh, the First Nations translation of the New Testament uh, puts a lot of significance into the names of people and places. Um, in, in that community, names are how we identify ourselves, but it also shows character or purpose or meaning. Uh, names are special, and so this uh, translation really looks at the names. Story number two. One day, two followers of Jesus were walking on the road to the village of Warm Springs, also called Emmaus. And this was seven miles outside of Jerusalem, the city of peace. As they walked along, they were talking about all that had happened. Then Christ himself came alongside them as they walked. But they didn't recognize who it was. The person said, what are you talking about? And they stopped walking and a look of sadness fell over their faces and they said, how can you not know what we're talking about? I mean, you must not be from around here. Well, tell me what you're talking about, he said. We're talking about Jesus. His name means the creator will set us free and he lived in Nazareth. He was a prophet from the great spirit. He healed many. He did great things among his people. But the head holy men and leaders, they handed him over to the Romans to be killed on a cross. We had hoped that he would free us from the Romans, but he died. It's now the third day since they killed him on that cross, but Today, some women, they told us this amazing story, amazing story. Early this morning, they went to the burial cave and they found that his body wasn't there. They told us about the heavenly messengers who told them that Jesus is alive. But when some of our friends went to see with their own eyes, they found the empty tomb and they couldn't find Jesus. So we're sad. And so Christ said, why are your hearts so closed off to believe the words of the prophets? It should be clear to you that the Christ must suffer first before being lifted up. And so the Christ they didn't recognize told them the story, beginning with Moses and the prophets. He showed them how all scripture points to Christ and points the way. But the followers of Jesus still didn't know it was the risen Jesus walking with them that whole time. That's out of Luke 24. Let me ask the question again. Uh, in a commonplace setting, at an inconvenient time, does beauty transcend? Would beauty and love and the divine cut through the sadness and the busyness and the hopelessness of these two commuters walking home? Would beauty transcend? Would they recognize the beauty that is in the world around them despite their hopelessness and suffering and defeat? 
Because for me, as, as I look at this story, and, and I'm fascinated by stories in Scripture, um, because on one hand, this feels very, very foreign to me, and yet it feels very uh, normal, very simple. It's two friends commuting home back to their hometown after what probably felt like a failed season of life. We thought we were going to do these great things. We thought we were going to accomplish this stuff. We were going to change the world. I mean, Jesus told these disciples again and again, we are doing a new way of living here. And then he died. And so they're walking home together, uh, commuting slowly and just feeling sad. It feels like a very normal human experience is going on. In this moment when they probably desperately wanted to encounter the divine, they just wanted to hear God speak to them or be close to them, it probably felt eerily quiet. It's just a sad walk home. Because, see, there's this interesting shift in both these stories. Uh, you've heard of the phrase, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. It's a very very common thing to say. And I, f I love these stories because it forces us to shift our perspective. In that phrase, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, beauty is created when I notice it. When we notice beauty, then it gets to exist. But in these two stories, um, beauty is already present whether I notice it or not. Beauty is already there. The divine is already present. Christ is already with these disciples, even though they don't notice it. See, just because the world's best violinist carrying one of the most expensive violins isn't noticed by 1,097 commuters doesn't mean it's any less beautiful. Doesn't mean he's any less good at creating art. Um, doesn't mean that it is any less special. And just because these two sad and hopeless disciples don't recognize Christ literally in their presence speaking divine truth to them, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It's happening. It's there. Beauty exists whether we notice it or not. The good news of this story, there's a good ending. While sharing a meal with this mystery traveler, the disciples' eyes and ears are opened and they realize finally who their mystery traveler has been. The unrecognized Christ has been made recognized and they have this profound moment of hope. But I'm naturally a skeptic and a pessimist to some extent. And so I've always wondered when I've read this story, what if they never noticed that it was Christ? What if they had this walk with Jesus? What if they shared a meal with the resurrected Christ and they never noticed it? They literally had a divine encounter, something that so many people crave and they just miss it. Maybe they would continue on with their life feeling the same hopelessness and sadness and grief that they felt that day and they were just continuing and stuck. 
in their emotions. It makes me wonder about my own life. Um, Have I not noticed when Christ is in my very midst? I'm praying so hard. I want Jesus to speak audible words to me or to give me direction in my life. I'm I'm praying these long prayers and Jesus is already present. He's at my neighbor's house. You know, he's uh, in nature as I walk. The divine is already so close to me and so intimately connected and I'm just not noticing it. Because maybe I feel like, oh, this is too commonplace a situation for God to show up. God needs to be spectacular. There needs to be some fireworks. Uh, Or maybe I'm too busy. Maybe I'm rushing past like those commuters and I'm I'm thinking there's no way beauty and the divine and love and happiness could exist here. I've got to look somewhere else. You know, I've got to go to this mountaintop, not a subway station. How many times have I missed Jesus speaking to me uh, because I thought it wasn't possible in that moment? But the beautiful message of the gospel is that the world is not how it should be, and yet God continues to be intimately connected to it. God is not distant, God is close so close that the divine decided to take human form, to brush shoulders with humanity, and to feel the same emotions that we feel today, Uh, to feel grief and sorrow, to feel happiness and joy, to feel uh, anxiety and belonging, to feel all of the things that we're feeling on a daily basis. God decided, I'm gonna live in human history, experience that, and be intimately connected to humans. Not distant, not far away, but in a subway, in a living room, on a road, sharing a meal. Eventually, after Jesus brushed shoulders with humanity, he died on a cross the ultimate sacrifice to show love and support and belonging. And here's the thing that I think is most beautiful in the gospel. Jesus died on the cross for everyone, even if we don't recognize it. Like the busker, like the mystery traveler, that death on the cross exists. It is a beautiful, profound moment that is life-changing even if we don't recognize it. Even if we don't notice its beauty, it still happened. So how do we notice beauty in the busy? How do we notice Christ in the commonplace? As I've been slowly writing this message for a few weeks, I've been trying to reflect on where I feel God's presence and where I don't. And as I've thought about this, I think it's important for us, the very first step in trying to recognize where God is and where beauty exists, I think I need to start by understanding where my feet are in the story. Where am I located in this? Because the reality of the gospel is that God is here and God is active and God is moving and God is close. Uh, So where am I? 
You know, if, to use another, another metaphor, if, if God is a speeding train, am I standing on the tracks? Am I standing at the station? Have I bought my ticket? Am I in the parking lot? Am I in a d- completely different location altogether? Uh, where am I and am I aware? In a commonplace setting, at an inconvenient time, does beauty transcend? And so I'd like to share, as I close, just a few examples of where I've tried to um, not create divine encounters, but to notice divine encounters. God is already present and active and here and is intimately connected to me and all of all of you listening right now, um, how can I be mindful so that I remove those blinders and I notice the beauty? Here's some suggestions. Um, The first one is called thresholds. Um, This is something I've really enjoyed learning about. I don't know if you've heard of this, but in Celtic Christianity, uh, a threshold is a really important aspect for their faith. Um, A threshold or a thin space is this geographic location or moment in time where the distance between heaven and earth gets a little thinner. Have you, have you experienced that before? You know, there's some obvious ones. I mean, worship is, is a really great opportunity to remove those blinders and notice that God is already present. Uh, for thousands of years, people have been standing on mountaintops and felt like it was a little bit thinner. We are closer to heaven right now. We feel like God is moving. Uh, waterfalls and sunsets and spending time in community, these are no-brainers where we can help ourselves remove the blinders, uh, thin spaces and thresholds. Uh, But there's this other really cool thing that Celtic monks teach, and that is a threshold moment, is uh, the transition from one thing to another. That is a moment when we are more likely to remove our blinders and experience God. Um, Think about the moment right before dawn, or right before dusk, or right after There's something really profound in that moment and we can't put our finger on it, but we just feel like there's something, you know? Something is different in that moment. Uh, For me, in my busy life, it is the moment between meetings. Feels a little less spectacular, right? It's not a sunset, it's not a sunrise, but you know that awkward amount of time, you have a meeting and you've got like nine minutes between your next meeting. Not long enough to get more work done, to get a quick uh, phone call in, go home and grab something to eat, but not short enough that you you just go to your next meeting. You're kind of stuck there. Um, For me, that is a thin space. That is a threshold where if I'm truly uh, willing to let myself experience it, that is a moment when God can show up. That is a moment where if I just put my phone away, if I close my laptop and I try my best not to send another email or to just fill my time, uh, God is there. And so here's what I do. When I have that awkward gap in between meetings, I walk slow. 
I keep my head high and I look around the world, whether it's on a sidewalk or in a church or a building or a coffee shop, there is beauty, there is love, there is happiness, there is God all around me. And I have this thin moment to experience it. Thin spaces and thresholds. But there's this other thing in uh, Celtic monastic movements, and that is the idea of a transition in a season of life. That is also another threshold moment where you can experience the divine in a really intimate way. Uh, when you are standing at the threshold of, uh, of a past season of life and you're looking forward and saying, I don't, I don't know where I'm going to go yet. Uh, there's this awkward time where you just, you don't know where your next foot is going to go. That is a threshold moment where God is there. I mean, God is always there, but we seem to be more receptive in those moments going, I really need you right now, God. Thresholds and thin spaces. The... Second one is simplicity and slowness. And let me ask you a question. How are your margins? How are your margins? I don't mean the margins of a book, although I mean the metaphor is there. I mean, how are the margins of your life? Are they wide? Are they super narrow? You're trying to cram as much stuff into your life as possible. It is so filled with busyness uh, that you don't have the opportunity to take advantage of those thin space moments. How are your margins doing right now? And let's be honest, this isn't meant to make anyone feel guilty. Sometimes the reality is we're busy. There's things that you can't avoid, but are there things in your life where... Uh, they can be removed. You know, I have this really, really good knack on my day off to just fill my time with pointless work. You know, I better send off that one extra email. And if I really think about it, I mean, the deadline is two weeks from now. That person's also on vacation. They don't need to hear from me, but I just need to send that email. I just need to fill up my time a little bit more. And I think as I reflect on it, it's not out of my desire to get more work done. It's out of my desire uh, to stay busy. Because when I stay busy, I think less. My mind is quieter. I don't have to deal with the emotions that I'm feeling. I don't have to deal with big questions in my life. Uh, it is so much easier. If we were to ask ourselves, do you want to spend time with God? We would say yes. And then if someone said, go do it, we would say, well, I've got emails to do. You know, it just seems easier to fill your time with that. How are your margins right now? Maybe you liked the idea of thin spaces, but you feel like I just can't afford to walk slow with my head up and looking. I've got to run to the next meeting. I've got to run to the next thing. And so my challenge to me and to you, if you would like it, is... Can we look for adding some more margins to our life? If we want the unrecognized Christ to be made recognized, maybe we should slow down a little, simplify our lives a little, uh, learn to breathe, learn to look up and walk slow uh, because God and beauty and music and love is already present. 
we just stop for a second. The last one is curiosity and compassion. Um, I'm, uh, the, the, the church that I'm serving with now is, uh, is Avon Church in Stratford, and we're going through a series talking about our true selves. Um, how do you know when you're actually living rooted in Christ in your true self? And, uh, and uh, our, our lead pastor, Troy, uh, he, talked, he, he talks about um, there's nine C words that, no, that help you recognize when you are living rooted in Christ. And two of them that always resonate with me and stand out for me is curiosity and compassion. It's so easy to get busy. It's so easy to default to our human thought. But I think we know when we are living in the reality of God, when we feel curious and when we feel compassionate. There's something really beautiful happening in those moments. And so can we look for moments in our day to be curious and to be compassionate? On the story of the busker, here's what I love about that story. Um, The thing that would change that experience for the commuters is not if they woke up earlier and prayed more, although praying is a great opportunity. It's not if they were uh, to be more educated in classical music. It's if they were curious. If they're walking along and they think, I, I just can't help but stop and listen to this. I feel a sense of curiosity. Um, When I feel curious, I feel like the divine is a little bit closer. When I feel compassionate for others, I feel like God is intimately connected there. Are we looking for moments in our day and in our week to be curious and compassionate? And so let me say again as I close The beautiful message of the Bible and of the gospel is that the world is not how it should be. And yet God continues to be intimately connected to it. God is not distant, God is close. So close that God decided to take human form and to brush shoulders with humanity to feel sadness and grief, to feel happiness and joy to feel overwhelmed and anxious, to feel community and belonging, to die on a cross, to create a new way of living for all, even if we don't recognize it. And so in this season, uh, just after Easter and looking towards the summer, uh, my prayer for each of us is that we'll recognize beauty that we will open ourselves up to this inner journey and that as we open ourselves up to the possibility of seeing the divine in the ordinary, Christ in the commonplace, uh, that just like those two disciples commuting home, I hope that we too will arrive at the village of Warm Springs, the city of peace, that a community of compassion and curiosity, if we remove the blinders, we will realize that there is beauty all around us in subways and gyms and at sunsets. Noticing the divine takes presence. 
So let me offer three prayers. Uh, and worship team, you are invited up again. Uh, let me pray for us as we close. God, may I have the courage and the vision to join the divine in the places you're already working rather than feeling responsible for bringing it. Through curiosity and mindfulness, may the unrecognized Christ become recognized in our lives. May we notice the music, the beauty, the love, the happiness, the divine, the joy that is all around us. Help us to be curious this week. In your name, amen. Amen. Steve, thank you for that. It is good to hear your familiar voice in this place. It really is. Thank you for it. Um, it feels to me like one of the two of the most appropriate responses when God has met us somewhere are gratitude. Uh, so please hear that. Thanks, Steve. And also worship. We have lots of examples that have gone before us of people who have encountered God and responded in worship, and so that is our opportunity too. So why don't you stand with us, and we will do that this morning. You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high. Hidden glory in creation, now revealed in you, our Christ. What a beautiful name it is, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is. 